He is well known as really one of the leading, if not the leading, thought leader in Bitcoin and crypto space. Two books published so far, loads of speaking engagement. Again, you know, his thesis, which is an interesting one and a good one, is look, decentralization, it's going to have its ups, it's going to have its downs. But for people like his mother trapped in Greece, it, it, it just proves as the, really the only resource for her to maintain her, her value uh, instead of losing it all and kind of the banking thing that's going on there right now. So a uh, very interesting conversation. on This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two to in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. This is episode 796. Coming up tomorrow morning, Irv Shapiro with Dialogue Tech joins me and tells me how he did $30 million in 2016 revenue and will hit 40 million this year for, for a SaaS company. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andreas Antonopoulos. He is a technologist and serial entrepreneur. He's become one of the most well-known and well-respected figures in Bitcoin. He's the author of two books, Mastering Bitcoin, published by O'Reilly Media, and considered the best technical guide to Bitcoin and the Internet of Money, which is another uh, term that he coined. And it's also another book about why Bitcoin matters. Andreas, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. So listen, uh, we're having a lot of folks on in the crypto world. A few days ago, I had on a gentleman who created First Blood. Uh, they did an ICO back in September 2016 when Ether was around 11 bucks. They sold 465,000 Ether, which came to a value of a little over 5 million bucks in total value. Uh, in order to fund the software development and the salaries of the CEO, et cetera, they immediately uh, liquidated 80% of that. So they have 4 million bucks in their bank account now, right? Their BB&T bank account. Uh, if that whole business goes to to shit, uh, they have four million bucks and everyone else has nothing. Walk me through. Do you see issues with that? And if so, how will crypto solve that problem itself? Um, no, I mean, uh, with the current level of uh, volatility in uh, cryptocurrencies, it makes sense for most businesses to. Um, convert their um, their raised funds into uh, fiat temporarily. You know, the, the thing is, cryptocurrencies are still quite volatile. This is really the early days. So we see a lot of these ICOs will convert, um, you know, 60, 80% of their uh, funds into fiat, which then drives the price down, ironically, um, for those investors who just invested in an ICO. Mm -hmm. So why? Uh, so, so one of the things that I hear is that people who believe in crypto are against that kind of liquidation process. They they say, well, why would you why would you do that if you believe in crypto? If you stay in crypto, the value should increase over time. So so you're cheating the system basically. How would you respond to that? 
Um, I, I would respond with rational actors uh, implementing market economics and their own incentives is how the system works. And, you know, there's no um, cheating the system or you should or, you, you know, if you want to do that with your money, go ahead. Be prepared for <laughs> losses. If I was running a business like that, I would certainly diversify my holdings beyond the single cryptocurrency, just as I do um, as my personal investments in this uh, space. Uh, there's... Uh, you know, this is not a, a matter of ideology. It's a matter of being a rational actor. If that company fails, though, right, and there is no value delivered, it's essentially the, the equivalent of someone that paid for a Kickstarter campaign and then never gets the product, but the founders kept all the money, right, or liquidated 80% yeah. of it. From a regulation perspective, yeah. I mean, one, how does that seem fair? I understand your, your argument for diversification, but but what do you, th what do you foresee is going to happen from a regulatory perspective in this space? Uh, more than 90% of these ICOs will fail. That's what I foresee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's really obvious. But the founders um, get rich. 90%, yeah, they do, um, because investors are doing very little to evaluate these things and are not following the most important rule of, of investments, caveat emptor, you know, be a smart investor. You have to be aware as the buyer of these things um, that startups at best fail 90% of the time. And in this particular case, we're seeing a lot of immature projects coming to ICOs in this ICO craze, and people are infected by greed and fear of missing out and they're making poor decisions. So they're going to basically give a lot of their hard-earned hard and uh, perhaps not so hard-earned, and that might be part of the greed, is because they made a lot of money on the way up uh, with very little effort, and therefore um, it's easy money. And so they're investing it unwisely. That's what's going to happen. This cycle is going to burn through a lot of money, and in the process we're going to learn a lot about um, initial coin offerings and to the maturity of cryptocurrencies and how to build this new uh, crowdfunding industry. So are you offering us essentially a quick rich scheme which sounds something like this? Hey guys, listen, take advantage of the dumb people putting money in crypto, do your own token issuance and then take 80% and liquidate it, pocket the 10 million bucks and go run. It's their fault. They're stupid investors. I'm not involved in, in any of the ICOs. I'm, I've spoken uh, against investing in the ICOs. And in fact, I'm not really interested in cryptocurrencies as an investment vehicle. Uh, to me, this is a get-free quick scheme, uh, a system that delivers liberty for people around the world by introducing a global currency and a system of trust that have, doesn't have intermediaries or third parties uh, that um, allows people to transact direct person-to-person -person and allows people to innovate in a distributed manner. I'm not that interested in the ICO craze. However, I do realize that one of these applications is the fact that we're opening up a, a brand new space for crowdfunding, um, which kind of bridges the gap between angel investments and VC. And maybe in 10 years, once that space becomes mature, it's going to be a very significant new form of funding that is global in nature, that is open to everyone, that is borderless and transnational. Uh, and that's a fantastic thing. But in the meantime, yes, of course, you know, this is uh, just like any early technology, there's a lot of risk. And if people ignore that risk, they're going to get burned. Mm -hmm. So let's, I, I, let's shift away there from ICOs and token issuance. I want to focus on more about what Please. you just yeah, on what you just said. So so you're one, look, one of the things I've struggled with is how to clearly communicate what crypto is to an audience yes. that knows nothing about it. You, arguably you are or should be based off your publishing history the master at this. So explain to an elementary school student right now what is cryptocurrency? 
Uh, cryptocurrency is the application of networks and market economics to the flow of money internationally, just like the internet was the application of a flat network um, system to the communication uh, around the world and the free flow of information around the world. It takes the same internet dynamics, um, the use of open protocols that are participatory in nature that allow anyone to innovate and access anywhere in the world without permission, without a license, without borders, without identity. And it uh, allows us to do the same thing for trusted communications, for trusted transactions, and for currency on a global basis. It is a system that does not belong to any company, is not controlled by anyone. It removes intermediaries, just like the internet has done in so many industries, but it does that in the most powerful industry of all, which is banking and finance, by removing the unnecessary intermediaries and third parties who make a lot of money, um, but also have a lot of um, unwise power. Um, and it allows people to transact on, a, on an equal basis worldwide with each other, peer-to-peer, person-to-person. And, and unknown, so right? And, and unknown. You can trust without knowing. Um, and that's a fundamental property of the system is that you don't have to trust the party you're transacting with because instead you can trust that the platform will resolve the transaction fairly. Um, and that neutral platform, which is based on mathematical rules, replaces traditional institutional governance based on bureaucracy and hierarchy and, and uh, It removes all emotion. Um, yes, it removes uh, it removes all emotion from it, and it also removes the opportunities for concentration of power, abuse of power, and corruption, which we see all across the world. It's especially important for developing nations, um, where economic insecurity and participation and inclusion is very low, um, and it brings the possibility now of anyone with a smartphone having access to a wealth of financial services they've never had access to before, and playing on an equal basis to some of the most powerful banks in the world so that's really what it is it's it's as someone said it's a get free quick scheme um kind of uh, disguised as a get rich quick scheme and it's not a get rich quick scheme it can burn you badly because of volatility uh, andreas are you are you married do you have kids no i'm single no okay no okay uh is your mom or dad still are your mom or dad still alive uh, yes. Okay. So let, uh, I'm going to give a hypothetical example here, and then I want your feedback on it. Um, uh, sure. Where and 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 don't name specifics, but like, what country do they live in? Uh, they, live, they live in Greece, and I've actually talked about the fact that due to the crisis in Greece, um, when my mother's retirement was at risk in the Greek banks. Um, you know, cryptos, actually cryptocurrencies saved the day for her because they allowed her to protect um, her retirement, which was cash-based, from, um, from failing Greek banks and currency controls and uh, withdrawal limits on ATMs and things like that and to achieve a level of financial security. That's a really, that's a, that's a powerful story. Uh, let me give, let me give a different story and kind of gauge your feedback. So, uh, you just articulated like the, the beauty of a mathematical equation is nobody's in control. Uh, it's un, it's kind of, it's unknown. People kind of can't track where, where money's going and really anyone has access, which is a wonderful thing. Like the example you just gave. However, uh, let's say a, uh, ISIS strikes Greece and your parents mm -hmm. are killed and you learn that mm -hmm. the method or the way they acquired the chemical weapons that, that they launched the terrorist attack was on the crypto market. It, it's perfect for mm -hmm. terrorism. How would you respond? Yeah. 
Um, I would say that we probably shouldn't have spent the last 20 years bombing the shit out of their countries in order to promote an oil monopoly and funding all of that terrorism and training and weapons through the State Department, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies around the world using dollars and oil as the primary funding mechanism and creating uh, millions of jihadis and uh, others through uh, appalling policies of oppression and colonialism around the world uh, and to, to blame the means of cryptocurrency rather than looking at the root causes of, of terrorism and and the fact that uh, very much of our middle class lifestyle and cheap oil in the United States is based upon uh, essentially a, a bargain of blood around the world is the real problem. So, you know, I see that as a misdirection and a distraction. ISIS was funded and trained by the United States, just like Al-Qaeda was, just like uh, bin Laden was. Um, all of these people are our allies first until they turn around and become our enemies, and we cycle them over the last 20 years in one unending tragic catastrophe. Yeah, Andreas, sorry, I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna agree or disagree with what you just said. Some things I agree <laughs> with, some things I disagree with. But what no, I can say right. is that's all in the past, right? So, so it's it's a, it's, no, a, it's, it's not in the past. It's, it's well, Andreas, right my my point is, uh, we can't mm -hmm. change what has already happened, right? The biases sure, that people grew up with, or learning to hate one person or love another person we can't change that's already happened my simple question yeah. to you is uh if kim jong-un could figure out a way to essentially get you know print free money and have it not be traced so that he could acquire nuclear weapons and do serious damage regardless if the reason he wants to do the damage right because of you know past people countries acting unethically or ethically regardless of that he could still do serious damage right with crypto is there any way i mean this is look this is the reason I'm asking this is because this is ultimately what regulatory people are going to try and figure out, right? Is is there a oh, way to sure, regulate absolutely. this? Uh, no, there isn't. Uh, we now live in a world in which um, the um, flow of money around the world uh, will be dictated by protocols and and mathematical structures on the internet, and we will have free flow of money around the world. Now, the impact of that is that it's going to empower billions of people and pull them out of poverty and give them access and inclusion in the economy. The illusion that we can control bad behavior or bad people by controlling flows of money uh, is not only a, an illusion, a delusion, because we can't, but in fact, it's very damaging because- You don't, you don't, hold on, let me just capitalize on that subject real quick. You don't think that we are able to change incentive structures for certain countries, whether it's a tariff or embargoes or things, and help, and actually inflict them making changes in their behavior. You don't think that that's, that's you think that's a delusion? No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, economic liberalization has been the, the primary way of reducing conflict and violence around the world, not economic restrictions. In fact, most wars start as economic embargoes and push uh, push populations into extremism. But that's politics. The, the, the issue here is that um, the ability to control flows of money gives governments too much power, which leads them to corruption um, and oppression of their people and economically excludes billions of people from the worldwide economy to create an illusion, an illusion of security um, for middle class so they don't have to confront the real problems and the real choices we have to make. So no, you can't control money. Uh, we can't now. It's ineffective now, and it will continue to be ineffective. The truth is that the vast majority of terrorism is funded by state agencies, intelligence agencies, and large corporate banking consortia. Uh, I, I can't speak to that because I know nothing about it. All I can say is if you're telling me that 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 
just taking power from governments who have disenfranchised billions around the world to take place in a global economy is the solution. I would be completely against 100% crypto being and permeating 100% of the US because I do not want Kim Jong-un with nuclear weapons that he acquired using cryptocurrency bombing and killing people, which which we, we know he will do, right? You, I think you, I understand yeah, where yeah. you're coming from from a philosophical perspective. He but already I, has that. I'm more interested in ensuring that uh, billions of people who are trapped in poverty have the means to provide for shelter, education, food, clean water for their children. That is what brings us peace in the world, um, not the illusion that we can control other people's money because we can't. Yeah, but there um, are so always evil people, stuff? Andres. You're, uh, you're, like you're living yes. in, you have this utopia in your brain that everyone's good. No, and not at all. No, I don't have the utopia in my brain. I believe the vast majority of people are good. There are evil people, but uh, we now live in a world in which um, open communication and the transfer of information, including money, is now uh, a matter of reality. It is a fact. So, so what happens? Like, let, let's fast forward 10 years in your world, right? Sure. It's all it's deregulated. Governments are disempowered. Everyone's crypto. Billions are moved out of poverty. Your mom was able to keep her savings from the recession. But also, we have people that are very greedy, very evil people killing and bombing people because they have more resources. You're okay with both those things happening at the same time? Yes, because we already have uh, greedy people killing people and bombing people because they have more resources. That hasn't changed and never changed. What we can do, however, um, is is change the lot of uh, billions of people who currently don't have economic inclusion. Uh, we will not uh, eradicate evil in the world by trying to control the flow of money, but we can eradicate evil by giving people opportunity and hope and prosperity across the world. And so from that perspective— you can't so there will still be evil people. Of course, there will be evil people. They won't find many followers if their followers are happy and prosperous. Well, if they can pay them because they're having a, they have a bunch of income coming in via cryptocurrency, it's very easy. That's you know that's Kim Jong Un has an inner circle and it's he has total power. Doesn't, cryptocurrency doesn't magically create uh, money. Um, well, look, when people are doing a token issuance or an ICO, they are. I mean, they're they're producing money and then people are investing in it because it's hype right now and then they're liquidating a bunch of it and you have no idea what's actually going on. There, there's no stream. There's no nothing. Yeah, I, I, that's not creating um, money from nothing. That is the productive application of capital and investments by investors who believe that there's going to be a return, and maybe there won't be in some cases. But this money wasn't created from nothing, and the, yeah. these economies not let, let me let me shift let me shift that i think that was a healthy discussion let me shift now to something else so um why why did ether take off so quick over bitcoin was it simply the utilitarian nature of smart contracts versus digital currency well, I, I think there's, um, you know, the, we're, we're seeing all of these hype cycles. So a lot of this is, uh, is speculation about what the next big thing is. I think many people miss out on uh, perhaps the initial run-up for uh, Bitcoin. They're looking something else, at something else in order to uh, gain great returns. And so um, they're speculating across the, the, across the field. It's not just the Ether. There's uh, almost a thousand cryptocurrencies um, that have some economic value, more that have no economic value. And the top five uh, in total reached, I think, a hundred and something billion dollars in total market capitalization. It's a big market and it's growing. It's a it's a brand new technology. It has a lot of potential across the board. I think comparisons between the various um, cryptocurrencies and their market capitalization are not particularly useful um, because these things ebb and flow based on speculation. Is it based off speculation or based off utility? 
Uh, it's mostly based off uh, speculation at the moment. The applications, the practical applications for these currencies are still fairly limited. So for the case of Bitcoin, the primary application is cross-border transactions, uh, remittances, import-export, trade, currency, and capital flights for those who are in countries where you have devaluation or hyperinflation. For Ethereum, it's crowdfunding, it's uh, ICOs, as well as uh, various forms of uh, governance systems like decentralized organizations creating uh, a new form of governance, a new form of corporation. These are very interesting applications, but they're still in their infancy. And as a portion of the world economy, they're still um, tiny. So a lot of it is basically looking at those applications and saying, okay, what does this look like in the future? Do I want to be involved in that? Uh, my primary investment in this is education and knowledge, which uh, fortunately can't go down in value uh, the more knowledge you accumulate, rather than investing in the underlying uh, currency speculatively. I think that's dangerous. It behaves very much like a penny stock at the moment, and most people are not equipped um, to, to handle volatile investments like that should probably limit it to a very small part of their portfolio. And uh, uh, Andreas, for people listening right now that want ex some exposure to crypto that are total newbies, how would you recommend they just, be th if they want to say, okay, I have a thousand bucks laying around, I want to put money into crypto just to learn how it works, how would you recommend they do it? Well, first of all, my, my primary advice is don't buy crypto, earn it. Uh, so the, the interesting thing about this is that this is a, an online digital economy with the participants around the world. If you sell a product or service that you have, especially if you sell it internationally, but even locally, if you cut hair, cut hair for Bitcoin. If you drive a taxi, drive a taxi and accept tips in Bitcoin and Ether or whatever it may be, whatever skill you have, graphic designers, music artists, software engineers, marketing managers, all of these professions, accountants can and earn bitcoins um, as a living. I earn the majority of my income directly in cryptocurrencies and have done so for three years. So I don't buy them. I don't invest in them. I so so them walk me through that. Currency. So if someone wants you to speak at their conference, you do a lot of speaking and they want to pay you $10,000, you're going to say divide that by 200, uh, 200 bucks, which is what one ether is, and just pay me in this many ether tokens. Oh, it gets better than that. Actually, the deal is much simpler. It's uh, it's X thousand dollars uh, in Bitcoin, and it's 20% more if you want to pay me by wire transfer, because I'll have to talk to a bank to figure out what went wrong, because almost always it goes wrong. So I get paid very quickly in cryptocurrencies, so I charge a 20% premium if you want to pay me in a national currency. Have you, have, yes. you, have you liquidated any of the tokens you've been paid? Like, how do you pay for food and your rent? Oh, no, I liquidate tokens on a monthly basis because for many of the things that I need to pay for, I can't pay for yet with cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Many I can. And so, um, but that that's basically just cash flow for me. So I just manage cash flow. I was getting paid in, in euro, in yen, in uh, pound sterling, in dollars before. And now I've just added to that Bitcoin. And just like before, I needed to convert those currencies to dollars in order to spend them because nobody in my neighborhood took yen. I do the same with Bitcoin. It's not really that different. Well, so for someone listening right now, to be fair, that's a salon owner. If they say, if I told my client that we don't take cash and they have to pay me in Bitcoin once I'm not the haircut, they're going to look at me like I'm a fucking psycho. So yeah, nobody, like said, nobody says you, you say, I don't take cash. What you do is you offer the opportunity to have a variety of currencies available. And you try this as an experiment. Most likely nobody's going to pay you for a year until your customers notice. There's a bunch of cafes that work with cryptocurrencies. There's a bunch of professionals who earn cryptocurrencies. It's not easy. And you think yeah. the right thing is to discount? So if the haircut's 40 bucks and USD charge like, you know, 35 if it's crypto? Well, 
Well, if you if you uh, if you want to, yes, because keep in mind the conversion rates. If you wanted to buy it at an exchange, you'd probably be paying one to two percent um, in order to uh, buy cryptocurrencies. The ATMs charge a premium up to ten percent. So if you offer a discount, you can basically get cryptocurrencies uh, more uh, economically than than buying them at an ATM. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Now that's the second easiest way to do it. Uh, many cities have ATMs as a cold or BTMs, usually Bitcoin um, teller machines, and you can go there, just stuff a few dollar bills in cash and, and have Bitcoin zapped to your smartphone. Uh, pretty straightforward, easy peasy, and you can do that in many countries around the world. How can people find the, the, AT, the, the BTM nearest them? If you want to, you know, Andreas, how, Andreas, how can people find the BTM nearest to them? Oh, there's uh, there's lists of uh, Bitcoin ATMs. You can if you just search on Google Bitcoin ATM near me, and you'll find uh, you'll find lists okay. online. Okay. And what's the third way? A third way is local traders. Uh, basically, this has started as not just formal exchanges and brokerages, which you can also use, but they're more complicated. They take verification and take a while. But local traders will will trade in cash, and you, if you want small amounts, just to try it out as an experiment, you can meet someone at Starbucks. Obviously, you have to be careful. Just like if you were going on Craigslist with a bunch of money, you don't want to go to a, to a dark alley and trade in the middle of the night. But you know, go to a public place with a bit of cash, say $100, and someone will sell you Bitcoin uh, at a Starbucks. Quite uh, easy. Last set of questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. Um, I've been pitched many, many times. You know, I do investing in B2B SaaS startups mainly, but a few people have pitched me recently who are ex-fintech people on, hey, I'm creating a $5 million kind of crypto hedge fund. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what kinds of questions should I be asking the person pitching me that to see if it's legit or not? Well, uh, this is a tricky question because one of the main purposes of these cryptocurrencies and the architecture is designed to decentralize control over money. That means you hold your own crypto. You don't put it in the custody of anybody else. We're removing intermediaries. So what are these crypto funds doing? They're basically holding crypto for thousands of investors on their behalf as custodians. That's business as usual. That's traditional banking only now with a new currency. The problem with that is that if they hold the currency of a thousand customers, their security has to be a thousand times better than each of the customers' security uh, in order to make sure they don't lose that money or have it stolen from them. And most companies can't do that. How so would it get stolen? Like if someone literally read the 18, 24-digit key? Yeah, it's very easy to hack into the computers that are holding the keys and take them. Um, if there's one computer which has a thousand times more value on it, then it's a thousand times more juicy of a target and you need a thousand times better security, right? If I had to hack your wallet and Joe's wallet and Mary's wallet and Katie's wallet in order to do that, in order to get a thousand bucks at a time, not really worth it. But if you all put it together and there's a couple million dollars in an exchange, and this is why exchanges get hacked all the time. Crypto funds are the same problem is that what um, happened with the dow um the dow was putting a lot of money under a single piece of code yes very similar to that yep yep and then those folks yeah. they basically created two separate branches now i guess Yes, if you want to keep uh, crypto funds securely, you hold them individually and you diversify the risk of holding cryptocurrencies by putting them in your pocket. It's like if I wanted to steal all the cash and all the wallets in America, I have to go and find 300 million people and take their wallet. Mm -hmm. But if you put it all in a big pile and lock it in a warehouse, well, that's a juicy target. 
Yeah, interesting. And is it, I mean, look, you have people, you know, hacking like Target customers, you know, 10 million credit card things leaked or et cetera. You can't do that. The hackers can't do that same kind of thing via crypto. They can if you concentrate the keys in one place. That's the one lesson we've learned on the internet over the past 25 years for information security is that we cannot keep information secure if we concentrate it in oh, one I place. Oh, I see. So the attacker was able to, ha to target the target's database, essentially, because everyone exactly. has concentrated. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay, very good. Any personal information. Yeah, it's the same problem. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. All right, let's wrap up here, Andreas, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite crypto book besides your own? Um, I would say uh, Digital Golds by Nathaniel Popper. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Uh, not really. I'm not that big into CEO worship. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like HostGator? Uh, let's see. I really like Trello, and I use that a lot. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, eight. Eight. Okay, and you said you're single, no kids, right? Yeah. And how old are you? I'm 46. Okay, last question. Take us back 26 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, um, uh, be honest and uh, be direct with your thoughts and have less fear. Um, I think that's always the best advice you can give a 20-year-old. What you're worried about is really not worth worrying about. Just go for it. There you guys have it from Andreas. Go for it. He is well-known as really one of the leading, if not the leading, thought leader in Bitcoin and crypto space. Two books published so far, loads of speaking engagement. Again, you know, his thesis, which is an interesting one and a good one, is, look, decentralization, it's going to have its ups, it's going to have its downs. But for people like his mother trapped in Greece, it, 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 it just proves as the, really the only resource for her to maintain her, her value. Uh, instead of losing it all and kind of the banking thing that's going on there right now. So uh, very interesting conversation. Andreas, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. If you enjoyed Andreas's episode today, I know it got heated, but if you enjoyed it, go back and listen to Alex's episode yesterday. Google has tried to kill him multiple times and to defend himself, he's had to raise $117 million for his company, Branch.io. He's winning and beating Google at the app deep linking wars. 